Welcome to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Michael Cunningham. Michael is the editor over at rpgamer.com, as well as the pretty much the sole blogger over at pocket-console. He's a great guest. Me and him laugh a lot about the Souls games and have a, a great time. <clears throat> Besides, I think you're going to really enjoy this episode. If you or someone you know wants to be on the podcast, tell them to email me, dguspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, and enjoy it. So tell me about your experience with the Soul series. Where where did you start out, and how did you get into them? Oh man, that's a it's an interesting question because I um, head up, I guess not really head up, but I'm the editor in chief over at RPGamer.com, and their forum posters like around the time that um, Demon Souls was out in Japan, a lot of people were importing it, and I know the you know the Asian English version hit too. And people were playing that, and there was a, a couple of posters, one in particular on our message forums that just kept going on and on and on about the game. And every single thing that this person said about the game sounded horrible. <laughs> it didn't sound like <laughs> anything that I wanted to play. I don't, I don't like playing like games that are hard for the sake of being hard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've never was like a Ninja Gaiden fan or anything where you know it's just rough tough games that you get into um they even nicknamed me easy street because if there's an easy mode i tend to play on that (laughs) Um, but this person kept talking about oh yeah it's it's so hard you die a lot and you can be playing your game and you can get invaded by other people and get killed and lose all your progress and every time you die you have to start over from the beginning and i was like why would i ever want to play this game this sounds awful (laughs) Um, (laughs) But the the best part about it is I was lucky enough to get to go out to uh, Los Angeles, not during like an E3 or anything, but um, our site had about four of us that decided we were going to take a trip and visit some of the local publishers around that area. And we ended up at Atlas USA right around the time they were getting ready to launch Demon's Souls. So they brought it out there. They let us or, you know, they had somebody kind of walk through a demo, show us what was going on, and then handed the controls over to uh, one of my other staffers. And he had been just as, you know, hesitant about playing the game as I had. He was like, everything this guy was talking about that he loved about it sounded awful. But then we both kind of watched it and saw, wait, this isn't anything like what he was talking about. <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't seem it, it seems slow and methodical and something that you can really kind of dig deep into. And both of us fell in love with the game right there just at a, you know, just with a quick little hands-on demo to really see how somebody uh, we got to watch somebody else kind of play it. And that's that's been the biggest thing for me is whenever like a new Souls game comes out, I don't necessarily experience it myself first i like to watch and see how other people are reacting to it so it's kind of odd for me maybe uh, i don't know if other people are like that but i kind of like to just see how they're experiencing how they're diving into it and that that helped me a lot to kind of get into it so demon souls was my first one played through that and just just had a blast absolutely what loved was it. um like obviously you said you were kind of the editor um of a you said rpg 
rpgfan.com is that it no rpgamer.com rpgamer i don't know where i came up with rpgfan i'm sorry that's that's (laughs) our that's our uh fun uh competitor site we're good friends with those guys too so oh okay so that actually is a real site okay good (laughs) i must have got it in my head somehow i don't know what i did um what were you like what was your normal gaming before going to demon souls like what was kind of your bread and butter games that you were playing Oh man, most of the RPGs that I'd play would be stuff like, you know, Final Fantasy or, you know, Xenogear, Xenosaga, just, you know, the heavy story-based Japanese RPGs. I didn't even really get into a lot of the Western stuff until until afterwards, like, you know, Mass Effect or Oblivion or Skyrim or anything like that. You know, those all came way after, and my experience with those games came way after uh, Demon's Souls. Um, But yeah, Demon's Souls was totally different from a lot of the other stuff I've been playing, you know, no save points, <laughs> anything that kind of happened, you kind of had to experience on your own and there was no do overs. So if you lost like 30,000 souls going across the bridge, cause the dragon and the people just swarmed you too much in Boletaria one, one on my new game plus first run. Not that I'm bitter about that or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can tell yeah. no hard feelings whatsoever. <laughs> exactly. None at all. But yeah, I, I kind of, I know it seems like a lot of people kind of got into it with Dark Souls, but uh, Demon Souls was the one that kind of hit home for me. And I think finding an easy mode in that game helped me because I felt like the the royalty class was kind of easy mode. Because you started off with an MP regen ring and some good spells, and it was just easy to go through that game um, as a mage. I think I only had to get help on maybe two of the bosses that I fought. Not bad. Yeah. Uh, flame. Let me let me let me hazard a guess. Um, oh, flame lurker and man eaters. Um, flame lurker's right. Uh, the other one is false king a lot because he was just a pain. My major. Oh yeah, especially with the caster because you don't really have time to cast the spell while he's like because he's very very aggressive. Like that's up to in that game. Like he's probably the most aggressive boss at that point. Oh yeah, I couldn't even the two of them being so aggressive in that. I... <laughs> And I think that's another thing I do in Souls too. Is I didn't start with the royalty class, even though it kind of been, you know, taunted as the one that was kind of the easy mode to get into. I dove in with like a a huge knight with a spear, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna do this because I like playing as heavy melee characters. And I just the first time through it, I was like, I don't understand why I keep dying. I need to try something different. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's what I was so used to in other games. And then playing as kind of the fragile mage who could destroy things from a distance was a, you know, kind of a nice change of pace. But it was harder to really adjust to. And I tend to just do that in Souls games. As I'll start a character, I'll play like two or three hours, make hardly any progress, restart a character as a new class, and get back <laughs> to that same spot in like 15 minutes. <laughs> so what took me three hours the first time takes me 15 the second <laughs> The classic, classic souls, uh, like the bonfire set chat boys that say um, that knowledge um, compresses space. Like once yeah. you figure out exactly what you need to do, like getting back to somewhere is not the monumental challenge that you originally thought it was. It's actually pretty easy. Oh, I know. And anytime somebody new is starting these games and I hear them talk about it and they're like, yeah, this class sucks. I'm just going to have to struggle through it. I'm like, you realize you probably spent five hours getting to this point. You restart with a different class. You'll get back there in like 30 minutes. I guarantee yep. <laughs> <laughs> what was the um like did you i know a lot of people that start with demon souls they 
play the game and they're like, oh shit, like all of this is really, really hard and it's unfair and, it, and I hate this and they just kind of stop playing. Um, but mm-hmm. it sounds like you picked it up and just ran with it despite kind of liking easy mode and, and other games. What do you think about, what was it that drug you in? Was it the atmosphere or the mechanics or like, what do you think it was that really, really worked for you? Well, that with Demon Souls, the mechanics were, the combat mechanics made sense to me at least. Um, things like world tendency, I still couldn't tell you a thing about that, and that doesn't make the least bit of sense to me whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> but uh, what has gotten me on every single Souls game, and I've played all, you know, if you count Bloodborne 2, all five of them to completion, um, is the level design and just the fact that I love. Maybe it's just me being crazy, but I love maps and stuff, and I love exploring worlds, and I feel like this game does it so much better than so many other games because you understand where you're at at any point in time, or at least I do. I feel like I'm never lost as to where I am in the world uh, compared to something like Lords of the Fallen that I played just recently. I couldn't tell you where half the things took place in that game. And if I needed to get <laughs> if I needed to get from point A to point B, I was like, you know, dark castle area to other dark castle area that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But the Souls games, and especially Demon Souls, really sucked me in because I felt like I was constantly learning new things. Finding the new shortcuts was great. Looking at just exploring every little nook and cranny was was exactly what I wanted. And that's always been my, I guess, my favorite part of these games, more so than the bosses or the lore, is just exploring the levels and kind of figuring out where things are, finding all these hidden items, and just, you know, getting a chance to really dig in and find out what's going on in the level design. Nice. Did you struggle with mechanics at all? Like, obviously, everybody, like, dies a lot in those games. Like, that's it. But, like, did it take you a while to kind of come to the... The, I mean, if you were playing a royal, then obviously you were playing more of a ranged class, so you probably weren't dealing a lot with shields and things like that. But like that whole shield management, stamina management thing, did it take you a while to kind of not master it, but to come to grips with it? It did a little bit, and that's, I mean, kind of like I said when I first started out, I was playing as a knight with the, you know, a spear and stuff, and I was like, oh, I just can't seem to get a good balance. I, I can't seem to dodge just right. I'm too heavy to dodge. Um, and I didn't really, I've never really had a good grip on designing a good build. That, that's something that just, I never really get a great grasp on. I'm not a min maxer or anything like that. PVP and stuff like that would probably just destroy me because I just find what works for me. And it sometimes takes a little tweaking to get into and do. Um, but it was nice to not really struggle with the mechanics but to figure out, okay, this heavy class is not going to work for me. And mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the same build that I've gone into all the others is I like mobility. I like to be able to get out of the way, always have a shield with me. And, you know, range worked in Demon Souls, but I never went back to it really after that. I think that's the only really? game I've ever done any kind of range combat in sort of did some pyromancy and dark souls um but for the most part it was still just uh kind of a mix of decks and pyromancy when i first went through dark souls but i struggled with that one a little more and it's a it's an interesting story the rest of how i touched each of the rest of the games it kind of differs it wasn't everyone wasn't an immediate success for me <laughs> <laughs> um like when you Obviously, when you if you were playing this right around the time of the American release, like there wasn't a whole lot of information out there on Demon Souls. Um, 
if you're coming into these games and you kind of watch people play them, do you rely on the the community information that gets put out there with these? Like, do you do you go to the wikis? Do you obviously go to your own forums and like, what does the pendant do? And what do I do with this weird hat? And how do I find the witch and all that stuff? Uh, the the wikis tend to be the biggest thing. And right around the time Demon Souls launched, there was still a a good wiki because I remember so many people had imported the Asian English version that it came out before the actual U.S. version did. So they were able to play everything. It was completely translated. It was a little awkward, you know, like the sticky white stuff, <laughs> item description, <laughs> everything you could get with that. But from where it had all been translated, there was wikis up already that would kind of give you tips on all the bosses. There were maps, which were near impossible to decipher what in the world they meant because it's hard to really map 3d space into a 2d picture <laughs> i'm so glad you brought the maps up because it amazes me still that nobody has gone and redone all of that work and like god save whoever the, the original guy that made all those things were because they're functional but barely more than that <laughs> like just barely there. specifically thinking about like i remember trying to do like world tendency stuff in uh five mm-hmm. two in the swamp oh and, yeah like, it's just a the map i'll try to maybe i'll remember to put it in the show notes um but the map is like a giant, like round thing. And it's just got a bunch of like really tiny text that you can barely read with like, you know, lines going to where you can find the item. And it just makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. And it, it's really amazing that they even made these maps at all because exactly. it doesn't, they, the whole thing doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you're looking at it. But after you've kind of explored the area, you're like, Oh, okay. I kind of see what they're going for here, but still this is really confusing. And the more I look back on it, the more I'm like, how did I make it through these areas in one go, <laughs> you know, without a bonfire every <laughs> 20 steps, like in the rest of the Soul series? Yeah, Demons is pretty rough on the bonfire. You look at something like um, the World 2-2, where, I mean, if you don't find the shortcut to the boss, then I, I don't know. I don't know how people did that without finding the shortcut to the boss, because okay. going through that area to get to the boss is crazy, even if you know exactly where to go, which... I've played that game probably five times, and I still couldn't tell you exactly where to go. I'd probably get lost today. Yeah, like that's a that's a long <laughs> trip between between bonfires or whatever they called them in uh, Demon Souls. Yeah, I forget what they called them either. I guess yeah. it's just the initial heart stones or something. Heart stones, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, tell me, like, so having finished Demon Souls, uh, <laughs> real quick, did you go back and play like multiple builds, or you, you mentioned something about New Game Plus, but like, did you go back through and play it more than once? I I tried, and I think that's where I kind of got frustrated is I was still kind of new to the series, still, you know, I mean, it was brand new. It was the first game in the series, so um, I wasn't really ready for New Game Plus, I don't think, and I had gone into it, and you when you start New Game Plus on that game, you are you get all of your leftover souls from having beat a lot, and you have to go through 1-1 completely <laughs> without dying, with it being you know, harder than expected before you can get back and use all those souls. And I was like, okay. And I died on the bridge where the dragon, you know, is supposed to come down and torch all the guys. I I died on that one twice and lost everything. And I was like, you know what? I think it's just time to play something else for a little while. (laughs) I had a good time with this game. I'm pretty much done with it. (laughs) Yeah. But that tends to be my thing is I haven't done a whole lot of new game plus on any of them. So I just enjoy my time with them the first time through. And if I go back, I'd probably go back. I think 
think Dark Souls 3 is probably the only one I'm even slightly prepared to do a new game plus on because I've spent more time with it than any of the others for some odd reason, and I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> what was your um, hype level leading up to Dark Souls 1? Um, like, are, at this point, like, are you a tremendous fan of the series, and you're you're thinking like, oh wow, another another game that looks exactly like Demon Souls? I'm I'm all in. Oh yeah, I was I was thrilled to death when this one was coming out, and that's why it's really sad that I dove into it, got partially through Undead Berg a few times, and was like, this just doesn't feel the same. I don't like this, and I gave up on it for like two years, and I don't know why because I love Demon Souls so much. And it wasn't that much different, but I didn't feel like – I guess the Estus change took a little while to adjust to because I was used to being able to farm for as many of the – I guess the grass you know, mm -hmm. healing things. The healing items. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm limited on how many of those I can have? What? <laughs> and then there was no – you know, I was kind of wanting to play it the same way I'd played Demon Souls, and there was no good option for me that I felt had a good ranged option. Um, no MP region ring. There was no easy mode that I could find right away. So I was like, oh, well, this just doesn't feel right. Maybe I'll just play Demon Souls again sometime and never got back, <laughs> to, never got back to either of them. But eventually, um, one of my friends was finally like, look, let me just, you know, give you some advice, give you some suggestions and ended up doing kind of a dex build got the katana from the first guy you can kill or the merchant you can kill in undead berg and slowly picked up pyromancy and kind of got into that. and i was like okay well pyromancy doesn't seem to matter what your stats are so cool i'll just do this and they i just had somebody kind of nudge me through it they didn't help me with any of the bosses until closer to the end but I was like, okay, I kind of get this, and I'm understanding it more, and I really got to enjoy the level design more once I got out of Undead Berg and the, I guess the, and what is the lower area? The lower Undead Berg? I'm it's, trying yeah, to the, it's just the lower Undead Berg. <laughs> yeah, once I got through those areas, I was like, okay, I'm starting to feel this a little more, and kind of got rolling on it. And There's that a bit of a thematic change uh, from going from demons to dark, where like demons, I feel like is rooted in more of a, a horror thing. Like it's it's got a it's got more of a you know specifically thinking of like the Lovecraft vibes in three one, but also it's a little bit more of a desolate world than uh, Dark Souls one is. And I think Dark Souls one leans more onto like that classic medieval fantasy thing. Was that a was that an adjustment to you going from demons to dark, or did you kind of get right into that? Yeah, the visual style didn't bother me, or the settings and everything didn't really bother me. It was it was enjoyable to to kind of feel that same kind of sense of dread, even though it did come off a little bit differently. Uh, just kind of being in this dead world where you're having to figure out everything, I just felt like it started out harder than I had expected, and I think I'd just gotten spoiled by going through Demon Souls and having such a relaxed time with it i never felt like it was impossible even though there were some areas you know like you said the five two just going through that whole swampy area was annoying enough but i don't i don't know what it was about um the early part of demons or the early part of dark souls that really just didn't stick with me um but i kept missing the kind of the segmented way that demon souls had been branched out you know you had one one you did it you were done 
you could start on one too. And then with all the bonfires that you had to jump between and you couldn't warp between them until later in the game, it just kind of set me off and I was like, uh, just, this just isn't, isn't as fun. But eventually it, you know, it clicked. I got in there, got my pyromancy build built up and was like, okay, I can do this. Then I got to Ornstein and Smo, and I was like, screw this. <laughs> <laughs> and that was another screw this moment. And I kind of put it off for another three months or so. <laughs> and that's when I yeah, really dying started. to those two over and over again. Um, oh, it can yeah. be really, really difficult. I mean, were you, you mentioned that you did some of the, you did some summoning in Dark Souls, excuse me, in Demon Souls. Did you, had you by that point that you got to ONS, did you had you figured out like the humanity summoning mechanic at that point? That was the hard part is I was like, I don't really have a clue what in the world I'm supposed to do to be able to summon people. And I started looking things up and you know, I tend to not read every little thing about the game. I like it when it's just kind of straightforward and says, Oh, if you want to do this, you know, put down a summon sign or something. And it really just for whatever reason wasn't clicking with me. And I tried to go through the game um without using humanity, just out of my own stubbornness. <laughs> I had a ton built up and I knew I could use it, but I was like, oh, I don't need to. I'll just kind of make sure if I, if I need it, I can use it as a boost and maybe that'll help. But um, yeah, around Ornstein and Smos where I learned how to use humanity and how to start summoning people. And it wasn't, you know, until I got help with that boss and just summoned somebody else in to assist me that I was able to kind of get past that little hurdle. But I think that was the last big hurdle I had through the game was Ornstein and Smo. From there, it was pretty much downhill for me. <laughs> you just did you run through the rest of the game? Did you end up finishing it? I did. I finished the rest of it. Um, I think my proudest moment is I started looking up the NPC quest. Really, just baffled me too because I was like, "What? How do I progress this crap?" And it seems like <laughs> I was like, "Okay." All these are really complicated. I'm going to focus on one. So I focused on doing um, Solaire's quest and just making sure that I did everything to progress it to where I could have him help me at the final battle. And that just kind of gave me some motivation to go through there and do it. Um, and just as obscure as that quest was, it was still kind of fun to just make sure I nailed everything just right. And um, by the time I got through the game and fighting – uh, Gwen for the first time with him by my side. I was like, okay, I like this. This is kind of cool. It gives me a kind of a party feel. Like I've got a buddy here with me that's doing stuff, but you know, he actually has some real meaning behind him instead of just some random NPC that I apparently didn't ever read anything about or learn anything about. This is this is Solaire. Everybody loves Solaire. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody loves Solaire. <laughs> But yeah, I think my favorite moment from that game was coming out of the Four Kings fight with four hit points left. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I got him on my first try and had four hit points left. I was like, okay, that was close. <laughs> That's really, really good. I've had um, yeah. a couple of PvP fights where I've like looked at my health after the fight and like there's had one HP left and been like, whew, nailed yeah. it. <laughs> exactly. Just enjoy it while you can. <laughs> What um like after finishing Dark Souls one were you were you still pretty into the series like are you st were you still as enthusiastic about it as you, when you finished Demon Souls were you like give me give me give me give me more I was um I was a little more hesitant going into Dark Souls two and 
um, when it came out, I think that's when I discovered Bonfireside Chat is they were kind of going through and talking about Dark Souls 2, and I was listening to some of those, and I was like, I have the game, but I haven't started it yet. I was working on a couple other things for review. I was like, hmm, this is, this is sounding more interesting, and I kind of dove in, and I didn't have any trouble making it through that game just from start to finish. I got a – I think – I kind of cheated a little bit because I watched a little bit of the start of like it's probably like Lobos Jr.'s speed runs or something. I love watching speed runs of the game. That's just one of the things that I enjoy is just seeing how people can abuse the system without glitching it. I just like to see a natural speed run playthrough of these games. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go full on strength. I'm going to pick up this big old club and I'm going to just go heavy into this game because I'd never done like a heavy strength build before. And I fell in love with that and had no problems. Um, I think I maybe had to, I don't know if I had to summon anything for that game. I did have struggles with some of the bosses, but I don't think I did any co-op summoning in Dark Souls 2. Not, not counting the DLC. Yeah, not counting the DLC because the DLC. Not the DLC. Off. <laughs> you and I, I still have I break out in sweats whenever I hear that song. Oh, whenever I hear his music play. Oh. Um, <laughs> no, I think the hardest. Going back on that, the hardest bosses for me is it took me a little while to kind of get um, to where I understood what the. Um, why can I not remember the one you can get with a crossbow or the giant ballista? The uh, pursuer. Pursuer. I kept mm-hmm. thinking penetrator, and that's Demon Souls. And I'm like, okay. Um, <clears throat> I had a little bit of trouble with him to start with, but got past that. Um, Freya was easy. The Rotten took a little while to get used to, but I ended up uh, struggled. A, I guess I struggled a little bit with the Rotten. Um, Rune Sentinels weren't as hard as everybody made it sound like they were going to be. I think I went in expecting to just never beat that fight because of how much I'd heard people complain about it. So I was like, okay, this is tough, but not impossible. Uh, Lost Center, oh man, I'm trying to think of who I did struggle with. Nashka, a little bit, had a little bit of trouble with that. Oh yeah. Did you you figure out the uh, poison pool trick and everything to make sure that she... Wasn't healing herself the entire fight. Yeah. That one, thankfully, yes. Um, that's just from where I'm happen to be, just slightly meticulous going through these worlds and trying to find everything. Um, oh yeah, the um, smelter demon. I did end up summoning some help for that one, and oh, I know it was optional because you could kind of find a way to sneak around the smelter demon fight. But I was like, no, I mean, there's a boss here. I want to fight it. I don't want to just you know, pass on it completely, but yeah, Smelter gave me a fit. And other than that, Fume Knight was a nightmare. I could not, I still have not beat Fume Knight on the DLC and hate, hate that fight with a passion. (laughs) (laughs) See, I'm like that. I've I've finished all the fights, but I'm like that with um, Sir Alone in that area. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fume Knight, I eventually just kind of got down, but it took like, it was that, that classic Dark Souls thing where you're just, you have zero souls. Like you have basically... And, and dark, like you're using the life ring to hold on to three quarters of your health instead of half, and like, <laughs> yep. just throwing yourself at it over and over and over again. Like, okay, well, 
now I think I'm, I'm to the point where if I if I use an ember, that'll give me the edge I need to beat it, and then like 40 more times. And eventually I've got it. But man, something about Sir alone in that in that same DLC just really messed me up. I could never get his timing down as as much as I love that fight. I wish I could have said I even got to him because nope, <laughs> nope, never happened. I didn't get to fight all the DLC bosses. I love the level design on a lot of those, but man, those bosses just wrecked me. Absolutely wrecked me. And I guess I was still being stubborn about summoning. So I only tried it on a few times on Fume Night, and I was just really wanting to beat him on my own. But yeah, that never happened. I just gave up and said, you know what? I enjoyed the DLC. I'm moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Did I hear you earlier say that you've spent the most time in, in Dark Souls 2? Uh, Dark Souls 3, actually. Dark Souls 3, okay. Yeah, uh, But before we get enough. into there, uh, like, if you finished up with Dark Souls 2, like, uh, the next game in the series is obviously Bloodborne. Are you, are you like a lot of people, and Bloodborne was a 400, or excuse me, the PlayStation 4 was a $450 way to play Bloodborne? <laughs> or were you, because I'm sure if you're actually, like, running a gaming site and everything, you were probably going to buy a PlayStation 4 anyway. Yeah, it it wasn't the sole reason I got it, but I was definitely glad that it came out on PS4, because, uh, it was one of the first ones I really spent a lot of time with. So, yeah, Bloodborne was fun. I enjoyed it. It took me, again, that was kind of the shift change because I'd always kind of been turtling through a lot of these games. Uh, you know, give me some heavy armor or at least enough to where I can move around with a big shield. And losing the shield, I was like, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> you know, it took me a while. <laughs> and I never, ever, ever got the hang of pairing with the guns. So you could just toss those guns out the window. They never clicked with me at all. I've never been able to really parry. I kind of suck at that. I'll just go ahead and admit it. <laughs> and <laughs> pairing with the guns didn't help any at all. So I made it through the whole game, never using the guns. I tried it a few times. It worked maybe, you know, one out of every 20 times I'd try to parry. My timing just sucks. I don't know what it is, but I gave up on parrying and it was just like, okay, I'm going to just, I got like Ludwig's Holy Blade and I was like, this is just going to be my huge destroy everything weapon and I'm going to see how far I can make it. And I, I, I like Bloodborne. Um, once I got over the fact that the Cleric Beast sucked and I had such a hard time fighting it, um, eventually it clicked and like, you know, everybody talks about how hard it is to get past Father Gascoigne the first time. Mm -hmm. and, I think that was kind of like me going into the Rune Sentinels fight as I was expecting to never beat it. So when I finally got through there and got through it on my own, I was like, okay, you know, this is the thing everybody was saying was going to stop you. Uh, turned out not to be the hardest boss for me. Um, Lagarius is still the one I, I haven't beaten and just frustrates me to no end because I can get so close and he always gets me and I just never <laughs> never went back and have never finished that area even though I love Kanehurst. Yeah, Lagarius just just wore me out. Wore yeah, if you out. um if you're not if you don't have your parrying down, then the first phase of that fight can be extremely aggravating just because he's he's pretty weak to parries. Like you can even his little dive bomb attack, you can parry that, which Anytime that he does that, like, hover in the air, dive bomb to you, and you just mm -hmm. shoot him out of it and parry it, it's the most satisfying thing in the world. <laughs> He's like, fuck you, Iceman. I got this. <laughs> oh, man. I, I need to learn to – I just need to go in there and practice. If they ever do mm – -hmm. you know, if they ever were to do a Bloodborne 2 and it had the same thing, I just – it 
I need like a training session to go through there and just figure out how in the heck I'm not getting this. I just don't understand why it doesn't click, but it just pairing and stuff. My timing just must suck. I just can't read those tells well enough. The um the, the frustrating thing I find with the pairing system is that some enemies just have they just like kind of arbitrarily decided like hey you can't parry this. So an attack like um, specifically thinking of the guys with the like kind of the bigger hammers like that you find in that first uh, le- first level of Century Arnhem the uh-huh. uh, like one of their horizontal attacks you can parry it every single time but the second like nope can't parry that one you have to wait oh. for them to do this other one and it's it can be kind of frustrating and it wasn't until I started digging into the guide and like the guide is actually really really useful for this if you want to practice ah, because it, okay. every single enemy they have listed and like which attacks are parryable and which ones they're not so okay pretty I just, cool I just got to where I was just more aggressive in those fights and mm-hmm. it sometimes wasn't to my benefit <laughs> but I was like you know what screw it I'm just gonna go on full bore and try to destroy him best I can and it's either gonna work or I'm gonna die and eh, so yep. what <laughs> That's, that sounds like souls.txt right like either, either it's gonna work or I'm gonna die and I'm gonna change it <laughs> yeah and that's the hardest thing I think and that's the one thing I always try to tell people when they're talking about oh I'm playing this Dark Souls game and I just lost 3,000 souls and I'm not gonna go back and do this again this was so hard I'm like you just lost 3,000 souls souls get over it you're gonna die a lot that's not the most important thing in the world it's okay you know it's not that the prepare to die means the game is so hard you can't beat it it means you've just got to change your thought process on how the game plays because it's it's okay you know dying and losing those things is not the end of the world people look at it and it's i mean it's very clearly your experience like that's how you level up but and people view it as like losing experience but like I don't think people realize that, like, you, it just doesn't matter. Like, you can yeah. get those souls back anytime. And I remember doing PvP a lot. Like, you end up with tons of souls, and since you don't level up, you just end up, you don't really have anything to spend them on besides, like, dunk pies and establishments. <laughs> and, but, and that's, that doesn't cost a lot to max that out, you know, really. And, um, the first time I lost, like, 14 million souls in the forest because I forgot to pick up my bloodstain or something. And I was oh, just like, oh. eh, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. I didn't need those souls anyway. And I was like, okay. I am a changed person from when I started playing this game, and I was agonizing over every single soul that I could possibly get in the game. Yeah, it, it takes that whole mindset shift, and it's hard to do, but once you once you break that edge and you're over there and you're like, yeah, that's not the end of the world. I'm okay. I'm going to be all right. Yeah, You go from agonizing over losing a thousand souls to not caring about losing a million. <laughs> mm-hmm. Where did you come out on Bloodborne? Because since the play style is so different, did you end up really liking the game? I mean, like, not just the play style, but, like, that self-contained, very, very HP Lovecraft world is just so different from, from Dark Souls and Demon's Souls. Did you kind of get into that? or? I love the level design in Bloodborne. I, I felt like a whole lot of the exploration in there was just fantastic. Um, ended up liking a lot of the bosses. It, it is not at the top of my list by any means. I think I like the rest of the Soul series, most of them a little bit more than I did Bloodborne. I'm not the biggest Bloodborne fan out there just because it was such a big change, but I like the way the story was told in there. It seemed like it was... I know that's one thing a lot of people also like to complain about is they say, well, it doesn't really have a story. It's all just kind of built into the you know, the lore descriptions and the item descriptions and everything. You've got to kind of dig to find the story and while true in the most part, I felt like Bloodborne did a good job of giving you 
the deeper level stuff in those item descriptions and at the same time still giving you a satisfying actual surface level story too. Mm-hmm. And I like that about it. Uh, the gameplay is still kind of hit and miss with me just because of my own personal styles of play. But uh, yeah, I, I did. I'm not a Bloodborne hater by any means, but have a harder time probably going back to that one than I would some of the others. What um I have to ask this because sure. every every episode of this podcast someone always has a different opinion not a different opinion but we we have to you have to choose a side okay. it's, it's it's Soul's brother versus Soul's brother where are you at on Chalice Dungeons no no nope. Chalice Dungeons that's nope. fine <laughs> I, I I dug into a couple of them and I was like this just takes everything I love about level design and throws it out the window and nope. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> Didn't spend hardly any time in those whatsoever and was happier for it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're like a blight on humanity or anything. And No, no, no. It's puns. just a part of the game some people yeah. really, really don't like. So. Yeah, puns intended on that. But um, yeah. <laughs> Did you play the DLC? I did um, up to the first boss, and I was like, okay, can't beat this one either. So, And when I was playing it, there weren't a whole lot of other folks around that could help, and the ones that I did summon were as bad as I was. So <laughs> I never ended, up, never ended up getting past uh, like the – he is the first boss fight that you get to, right, in the DLC? Uh, Ludwig is, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I loved getting to him, and I loved that whole exploration part of things, and I thought it was a really well-designed area. But when I got to him, I was like, mm, okay, can't can't seem to beat him for some reason, and all these other people that are helping me are not helping, so <laughs> I should definitely go back and do that. I've got some friends that I actually talk to that play now that I think are probably better than the random people that were trying to summon in on their first experience with the game, too. So, you know, that would probably help me a little bit get in there with people. I'm, I'm just going to I'm just going to put this out there like anytime like I'll, after this I'll give you my PSN name or whatever. Anytime you want help and I'm, you see me online just like I'm always down for Bloodborne co-op. So just let me know. I've got characters with like full access to the game like like four or five different builds and the whole nine. So like Oh nice. Just yeah, just put out a message like, hey, I'm trying to fe- defeat Ludwig. And I'll be like, do you want an arcane build? Do you want a skill build? Do you want a blood tinge build? <laughs> Which one do you want to come in with? Oh, man, that would definitely help because I, I tried going back just um, – what was I even trying to do? I, I loaded my old save file just to see where I was, and I tried a couple fights just after finishing Dark Souls 3 just recently. And I just – I was totally lost. I was like, well, maybe I just need to start over and kind of get a good feel for it, and then I can kind of – jump back into my higher level build and i just don't know if i made a crappy build because i feel like i didn't go strong enough on health and was dying too quick because i didn't put enough into that and you know too much in strength and i guess i'm kind of spoiled by the dark souls 3 build that i have despite the fact that we'll get into Souls 3 here in a minute but yeah i had some i've had some interesting experiences with 3 and i don't know where it stands on my list but it's I've spent so much time with it. I don't understand why. And that's just, it's still baffling to me. <laughs> well, let's, let's get into some three, but I, I do just want to stress, like if you're a fan of the level design in Bloodborne, like the, the two or three areas past where you are in the DLC is some of the best in the, in the entire series. So oh, well, uh, def- I highly recommend that. you go through those. Unfortunately, yeah. like the end boss is probably the most difficult boss in, in all of the souls games outside of the one from the dark souls three DLC. But, Otherwise, I think you'll really enjoy it. So. Gotcha. Are, are we spoilers off on this? I think you said spoiler-free. 
people. Oh yeah, to say what, what, what I expect people that listen to a Dark Souls podcast to have played Dark Souls at this yeah. point, so okay. <laughs> or at least to have not to like be in a position where they don't care. So like, feel free to say anything you want to. Okay, at least I know. Solaire is the end boss. That's, that's the person. <laughs> yeah, worm Solaire at that. Um. Ugh. Well, ugh. Yeah. Not, anyway. not getting into that. Not getting into that. Um, so I like to I like to ask people about Dark Souls three because it was such a yeah. um, and I'm I'm a little weird I'm a weird guy because Dark Souls is like a big part of my life obviously with the podcast and everything else but um like as Dark Souls three was coming out and Namco was basically giving half the game out to streamers and to YouTubers to put on their <laughs> YouTube channel or on to Twitch um, were you following that and getting kind of frustrated like were you, or do you just not pay attention to the marketing stuff. Yeah, I know a lot of Souls fans were really frustrated with that, with the way that they treated the game. I can understand why they were upset, and, and it is kind of annoying to see that kind of shift in marketing, to where it's like, well, we don't really want any kind of evaluation of the game; we just want fans to gush over it, and that seems to be something that's happening more and more in just all aspects of gaming, um, for better or worse. You know, it, it works for the companies and works for the fans, so. Some of the fans don't like it as much, but some of them eat it up. But I didn't, I didn't really get into any of that. Uh, I didn't care. Um, ended up getting the game pretty close to launch, anyways. So it was like, eh, I don't care what everybody else is doing. I wasn't going to rush out and buy the. I guess like the Xbox One version was available where you could download it early. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, no, I'm I'm good. I can I can wait till it comes out. I'm I'm okay. I don't have to absorb every, you know. I didn't watch any trailers past the initial um, reveal trailer, and I was like, yeah. I just don't. I don't tend to care for trailers on stuff anymore. It doesn't mean anything to me. It's just all marketing, and I just like mm-hmm. to get my hands on the fresh experience. <sighs> but yeah, Dark Souls Three is a is an interesting beast. That's for sure. Uh, so walk oh, me man. walk me through your process as you're playing Dark Souls three for the first time because <laughs> for, up to this point um, we've only really had a sequel to one game so because Dark Souls one was way more of a spiritual successor than it was a direct sequel to Demon Souls mm-hmm. Dark Souls two took the approach of you know we're gonna take things from Dark Souls one but we're gonna I believe Miyazaki said before the game came out like we were on the South Pole and Dark Souls one was on the North Pole. Yeah. Dark Souls 3, within the first hour of the game, immediately shows you Firelink Shrine and Andre the Blacksmith, who you're very familiar with. Yep. So right out of the gate sets sets the tone of this is a like this is Dark Souls 1-2. Like were you were you on board from the from from the jump? Um were you kind of looking at that and going, what are they doing with this? This is weird. It didn't bother me at all. It wasn't like I was gushing for that or that I really wanted you know, something to be an exact copy of what we were getting um, or what we'd had the first time around. It was more so the fact that I was like, I just want to play a new experience, and I don't care if it's got some of the same stuff left over, if it's got some of the same, you know, things I've done before. And it wasn't really like that. It just seemed to have some of the, I guess, same, uh, I guess, theming, and world design, it, that had never been strong suit going into these. And I think mm-hmm. if you'd been going through the entire world and it looked exactly the same and the design of the levels were exactly the same, I would have had problems with it. Um, but as is, it was just like, oh, this is just, you know, cribbing a lot of stuff from Dark Souls 1. Okay, well, I don't, I don't really care. I'm just going to play through it and see how it takes me. And this is where I'm strange is – I probably put, I guess, 45 hours into the game 
you know, that's not a ton, but for me, that's more than I spent with a lot of the others. Um, since I just tend to play them one time, but I spent about the first 20 something hours finishing the game and hating it. I hated most of the bosses. I was like ready to throw my controller at most of the boss fights. I didn't do a lot of co-op. I just ended up doing mostly, you know, I was being stubborn still, like to beat all the bosses on my own and was just angry and frustrated. Every boss I'd hit, I'd be like, I hate this stupid tree or, you know, <laughs> I, I hate these abyss watchers. I just, I can't stand it. I just, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. And then I'd get through it and I'd be like, okay, well, that wasn't bad. Let's go through this next level. And I was like, oh, I hate Sullivan. Oh, Sullivan's awful. I can't stand this fight. <laughs> and it was weird because I, I hated it all the way through to the end of the game. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I hated everything about it. And every boss fight just made me matter and matter and matter. And then I finished the game, um, and I got some help from a couple friends doing co-op on um, the Nameless King fight. I was like, okay, these people were pretty good. You know, it was nice to go through there and fight with them. And I was like, we beat it on, uh, they helped me beat Nameless King on the second try. And I was like, whoa, you know, because I'm not that good. <laughs> but they were, it was kind of <laughs> cool to have. So I spent the next 25 hours doing nothing but help people with boss fights. And it's been the most fun I've had with any of the Souls games ever. I'll just log in, drop a summon sign down. I've probably fought the, you know, the final boss of Dark Souls 3 like 50 times. And, <laughs> I, you know, I don't, don't know why. You know, it's not like it's the greatest thing ever, but I love doing that. And it's just been, it's the first time I've gotten in there and done co-op to help other people. And it's it's been great. And I've been offering up on Twitter like, hey, if anybody needs help with Dark Souls fights, you know. <laughs> I'm sitting at home sick right now. I can't really get out and do much, but I can log in and I can help you beat the Dragon Slayer armor. You know, you just tell me when you want me there and I'm there. I can I can identify with that experience so well. Back when I was playing Dark Souls 1, I got to the point where I would just camp out at ONS and then just drop my sign and, you know, pick up a book and read until I got summoned and then go kill Orsina Smo and then read a book and then wait till I get summoned and just repeat that for hours and hours. And if I got bored, then I would invade and try to kill a host and then I would help them kill ONS afterwards. Like it was the whole thing. <laughs> yep. And it's so much fun. Like it's, it's a, it's a weird experience and it's not something that a lot of other games really provide. Like a lot of co-op games aren't, you don't really get the satisfaction that you're helping someone complete a task. Like a lot of co-op games are like, let's, let's work together to finish this thing, which is his own way of satisfying. But mm -hmm. with dark souls, like very specifically you, because you've been there, you've been in that position where you're throwing yourself at this boss over and over and you can't get there. You can't win. And then you summon help and you're like, Oh God, thank finally I can move on with the game. Yes. So when you can offer that to somebody else and you know exactly what they're talking about, it's, it's, it's very rewarding. Like even outside of the mechanical rewards that you get, whether it's humanity or souls or whatever that they give you, I don't even remember in dark souls three now, but um, like, it's just, it's like, okay, yeah, I helped that person out They're They're going to, they're going to go into the rest of the game now. Like, and they're going to remember like that. They, I helped them. Like it's really, really satisfying. Yeah. And it's great. And there's no risk. That's the best part is you can have tons and tons of souls built up. But when you're going in as co-op, the only thing you can do is win. You know, if you win, you get more souls. You lose, you don't lose anything. There's no mm -hmm. risk to it, and I I love that. That was fantastic because I've never had a character. You know, I think the highest soul level I've ever gotten to is maybe around sixty or maybe seventy, something like that. And now I've got one around one twenty, and I've never had a 
you know, a build that I thought was ready to go into New Game Plus until this game because I've just taken all those souls from helping people and just kept boosting myself and trying new weapons and trying, you know, all kinds of different things. And for as much as I got frustrated and angry at the game playing it, I've had so much fun after I beat it, <laughs> which is the strangest <laughs> feeling. But I'm just like, bring it on. And it just seems like it was so much more accessible. It was so much easier to get in there and do these things than it was on prior games because it just made sense. Okay, drop the summon sign. That's it. I'll just sit here and wait. Okay, <laughs> easy enough. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't even have to, you know, it probably never was that hard before, but I just never really looked into it or worried about it. Sure. Yeah. It's it's, it's interesting when people come to that because I know a lot of people with um, Dark Souls and One networking wasn't particularly great. And it was like if you were trying to summon a specific person, like it was a lot of like, I'm going to break this barrel and I'm going to drop my sign under this where this barrel was so that nobody can else can summon me and that, that kind of stuff. Whereas right. Dark Souls 2 introduced the concept of like, hey, we have, you know, you can put a ring on and that'll like, let us join together and things like that. And then finally, when Bloodborne came out, like, oh, we can just use a password and summon our friends. Like, it's it's interesting how they've refined that over the years, and I think they've done a really good job of focusing on that co-op experience for the for the better of the game. I think the game is way better to art because of it. Yeah, there's nothing nothing wrong with that at all. And for as many problems as people have with Dark Souls Three, I can totally see where they're coming from on the you know the story side of things. You know, just just generally all around, I can see where they're coming from. But I feel like the actual design of the game has been refined so well i like where they're going with that did you play the dlc yes and ended up um beat the i guess the grave i can't remember the the grave champion grave yeah, tender champion, champion grave tender maybe? yeah the weak little <laughs> dude and sif too um yeah <laughs> that was that was like the easiest boss fight in the game for me and then getting to, oh, God, Rita, oh, my God, that boss fight trolled me so hard. It's not even funny <laughs> because I was struggling with that fight and was just going through there. And I was like, OK, this this time I've got it. OK, I'm going to focus more on more on the giant and worry less about her and take it down. And I was like, yeah. And I, I beat it that second round, and I was like, sweet. I sat down my controller, turned, looked at my <laughs> wife, and I was like, I was having such a hard time at that game. I've gotten so much better. I am awesome. <laughs> and I start hearing this, you know, I start hearing dialogue in the background. I was like, oh, cool, you know, some post-boss fight dialogue. And I was like, wait, I never saw like a you won kind of message come up. <laughs> and then I look down there, and I see like, is it Black Flame? Frida or whatever it's called and I was like holy mm -hmm. crap she's got a whole new life bar I'm so screwed because I am out of Estes <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was sitting there patting oh, myself on the back even though I know I'm not that good at it and yeah it trolled me so hard that third round I was like nope okay <laughs> but I eventually got her with some help and have gone back and tried to help other people with it since then too I enjoy that it's good yeah, stuff I, I, I like, I like co-op in that fight a lot um, I don't particularly like I like that fight from a presentation standpoint and from yeah. um, like I, I really one of my favorite things in Souls games is when bosses talk to you. Yeah, uh, like Ocelot doing that in Dark Souls 3 specifically is like some really, really good stuff for me. Like I really like that. This fight does a lot of that. Like you have two bosses talking to you basically at that. And like they, that interplay between the two of them is really interesting. But um, man, am I just worn out with multiple full HP bars and and Dark Souls 3. Yeah, <laughs> like, no kidding. Especially when you have, I mean, Nameless King was bad enough, and this fight just 
uh, I think I've died trying to help people in this one more than others because even still, you know, I'll get caught up in the cold or we'll just get, you know, smashed from behind or something before I even realize it and mm. died of that one so quick. Oh, that fight just drives me nuts. Even, you know, if I think it was a good troll fight, it's still just, oh, you're killing yeah. me. <laughs> well, where do you, like, finishing up with the series now and mm-hmm. with From Software, um, as of this recording, is has basically kind of said, like, there might be more stuff, but we're not going to make it. And then they've got these other projects, like... Where where do you want to see what do you want to see from software do next? Oh man, and that's always a tough question. I've I've heard it asked plenty of times. Um, you know, I would love to see more games that feel like Souls. It doesn't have to be. Yeah, I definitely don't want like Dark Souls Four to be a tie into anything else or anything like that. I don't need. You know, you can do a Bloodborne Two. I'd be fine with you just doing something that felt like Bloodborne 2. It doesn't need to tie in. You don't have to have all the same lore significance kind of jumping back and forth. And it, It's really hard to say because it kind of has been a you know, comfort food. I know every year some people will buy Madden or they'll buy Call of Duty or they'll buy Assassin's Creed because those have kind of become mm-hmm. annual series. And I like having a new Souls game every year, but I feel like they've kind of gotten themselves caught up too much to where they're like, well, what can we do that's new you know bloodborne worked for us but you know how do we make a second one of those and have it feel different (laughs) or how do we continue on the dark souls line i I want something that still gives me that feeling of fun but i don't need it to be you know you don't don't, need flames and souls and gwens and any of that stuff anymore exactly i don't need it to be the exact same game uh just give me something new and i sit and think too you know a lot of the souls likes that are coming out i'm enjoying seeing how they're doing some different things you know words of the fallen had some interesting ideas even though i ultimately got to the final boss and just got so angry that i couldn't beat it um oh wow that's that's as far as i've heard just about anybody play that game besides the bonfire side chat boys except for um my buddy richard who runs the we're not wizards podcast he's he's a really really big fan of uh, Lords of the Fallen, I don't. He, he just loves that game for some reason. Oh, it just felt too heavy and weighty, and I felt like I never could get a good balance between a strong weapon and a fast weapon. There was no in between, and oh, I, you know, I'm at the final boss, and it kind of sucks to have gotten through the rest of the game so easily, and then feel like I need to go back and grind to get you know, higher stats or something to be able to do mm-hmm. things. And I'm just like, that. that's just not fun. And there's no option for co-op, which is the best thing about it. Even if it was just NPCs you could summon. I feel like so many of the Souls-likes miss that, or so many of the, you know, the ones that are trying to mimic it miss some of the key aspects. They just try to make it hard or try to copy the whole, you know, when you die, you can recover your stuff mechanics. Yeah. And that, that's not that's not what Souls is to me. It's you know, it's good level design. It's mitigation on being able to have that challenge there, but still feel like you have something else that you can do. You know, there's other options, you know, shortcuts. There's just better design, and none of them have really nailed that. But you know, I'd, I'd love to see something just totally off the wall. You know, and this is probably the dumbest thing that anybody will ever say about what they'd like to see next from a Souls game. But, you know, my background, like I said, kind of came from the old school Japanese RPG type stuff. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I can I can totally see myself playing, uh, whether it be from FromSoft or somebody else, like a turn based 
Japanese RPG that kind of took a lot of the Souls aspects to it. Like you could go through there and you can summon different characters. You you learn their lore, you follow their quest line, and then when you get to this boss, you can bring them in to you know summon as a, you know a helper in this fight or things like that. I don't know. I'm just throwing things out there because it seems like all the regular answers have already been taken, you know, well, I want, <laughs> yeah. or souls or mm. well, I want sci-fi souls or <laughs> yeah, yeah. modern era souls or something like that. And, you know, everybody's said those things already. So it's like, maybe take it in a totally different direction. Give me something. I'm telling you the dark souls dating game. I'm just going to say it enough on, an, on enough podcasts that Namco will eventually make it. There you go. <laughs> You know, dating sim, you can get in there, sure. Solaire and the Witch of Isolith. Absolutely. That's my that's my that's been my ship since two thousand eleven, man. Let me tell you. <laughs> it would work. Well Michael, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and, and telling me all about your Dark Souls experiences. I, I really appreciate it. Can you tell everybody out there where they where they can find you on the internet? Yeah, um you can look me up Twitter, uh at Final Max Storm. Um I'm on there a lot. I am the editor-in-chief over at rpgamer.com. Uh, anything that's going on there, I'm, you know, when you start becoming an editor-in-chief, you do less writing and more organizing, so I don't do as much writing as I'd like. But uh, check out anything that's going on there. also do a little handheld gaming blog called pocket-console.com. Um, love my 3DS and Vita, you know, kind of stuff. So if you're interested in any of that stuff, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll pretty much find links to everything I do. So... Yeah, just at Final Max Storm. Check me out if you're interested, and I'll chat you up anytime. Excellent. Well, thank you again for coming on the show. I very much appreciate it. Thank you for having me. As always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. Um, I'm on Twitter at JG Greer. The podcast is on Twitter at DGUS Podcast. You can find us also on Facebook and Instagram and I don't know other social medias. I have all of them. I don't. I don't know why, but we have them. <laughs> go go find them out. Uh, iTunes reviews and ratings are very very much appreciated and help spread the word. Uh, more importantly, if you or someone you know is a hardcore Souls fan and they want to come on the show and tell them tell me their story, I am very interested in getting guests. Please let them know. They can send an email to dguspodcast at gmail And as always, don't give up, skeleton. Another fabulous Sunday or Saturday morning. <laughs> Indeed. I was trying to get my Hank Hill impression ready just to screw with people like I normally do first time on a podcast, but <laughs> just couldn't bring myself to do it today. <laughs> uh, let me bring you down just a little bit. Yeah, it's it's nice to hear a nice southern accent on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> usually usually it's so gentrified. <laughs> Indeed, Tennessee. But if you want, uh Hank can come visit. Ha, 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 ha.